Hello and welcome to episode 15 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. We're coming to you from BC Place after the Whitecaps 3-1 victory over Chicago Fire. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Steve Pander. Hello, Michael. Good to be here, especially after a win. Definitely. Now, if anyone saw whitecaps.com during the week, you might have seen a, a video that Steve was mentioned in and featured in, so you can actually put a face to that lovely, sultry voice that you're hearing. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that, though. I, actually, no, I, I probably wouldn't recommend it either, unless you want to scare some children. Now, things that can frighten children. Really bad games of football. And that first half against Chicago Fire, that was a really bad game of football. It was dreadful. I almost like I was telling you there, I was just falling asleep until like, I think it was the last five minutes when they got a couple of chances finally. But other than that, it was just just a very lackluster game. You think they would probably in the future cancel all fishing trips and everything? Because I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But do you think they train enough? Because it seems like the first half, the first half, especially the first half hour. Uh, they kind of picked it up in the last 15 minutes, but that first half hour was just horrible. I'm sure they they do. It, when you when you see the training schedule, like this week, they were off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, trained Wednesday, off Thursday, then trained Friday, Saturday. Now, to me, looking on, it looks like, yeah, they're maybe not not training enough. But I'm pretty sure that if, if things weren't going good, and they monitor them all the time, they've got those new monitor things that they put in their strips, and it's not like the old days where they, they don't train as hard. Like, nowadays they train a lot harder than, say, back in the NASL days. And I guess they maintain, they, they know what level they need to be at in order to be prior to a game. So I guess, because there was a change in the schedule too, because they were supposed to train on the on the Tuesday as well, but they cancelled that uh, late in the, early in the week and everything. So. True, and the, the thing now, though, is like the first half, it did have a kind of lazy Sunday summer afternoon feel to it and I I don't know it's just we've seen it a lot so far this season that first half of games especially first half of a lot of home games they've been really poor really lacklustre and then whatever Martin says to them at half time just gives them a right bollocking kicks them up the ass and they come out like a different team in the second half and we saw that again today do do you think it has something to do with the crowd too because remember the the seattle game the crowd was into it right off the bat and they scored early and this possibly the 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 crowd was just as dead and i hate to say it but the the, even the supporters weren't as loud as they normally are yeah and like when the game kicked off we both commented how few people were there for kickoff last week when the game kicking off at 8 20 it was, it was scheduled for 8 o'clock, but it was yeah, for it was 8.20. 20. Yeah, yeah, so it kicked off, obviously, for, for NBC. It kicked off 20 minutes late. Now, that allowed all the fans to be in their place. So when the game kicked off, it was an absolutely bouncing atmosphere. And the cap scored in four minutes. And yeah. today, fans weren't there. It was just it just felt, just felt flat. I don't know what it was, whether it was the sun, the heat, the fact that they're playing Chicago. It's not one of the most glamorous teams. It was a good crowd in the end. Yeah. I mean, very close to being a, a, a capacity sellout. I thought it would be around the 20,000 mark, which it was just over that. So it was a good crowd. But I think there was possibly a lot of first-timers there. When I was coming in on the Sky Train, I heard people talking. There was a lot of people just... It sounded like it was their first game. Yeah. So that would maybe explain the atmosphere as well. They're just not used to it. They're not used to having to, to sing and stand and shout if they've gone to other sporting events. So it could be that. But ultimately... Yeah. 
Well, let's get past the first half because that yeah. was uh, quite a bore. I mean, but they, they got three points. Great yeah. second half. What, second what did you think of that? I think, uh, they, well, they started off really st- strongly uh, with uh, uh, Miller almost scoring, but he just hit his back. Yeah, field. he should have should have had two. The, had the one two. that crashed off the post. I mean, yeah. that was just unfortunate. But the the sitter that he missed in front of goal, whether he just mistimed the ball, whether it took a little bobble or not, I, I don't know, or whether he took his eye off it. But that's the kind of goals you're expecting him to score. As it turned out, it wasn't didn't prove costly, but that is what you kind of need him to, to be put into the back of the net. Yeah, and then obviously the change, uh, the first substitution made a huge difference with uh, Kakuta Mene coming on for Herzog. Yeah, Kakuta was fantastic. Um, he didn't have much to do with the first goal because that was like a night in catching the corner and then clearing it out right to Camilo, and Camilo just taking it the rest of the way. Yeah, but actually, I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Now, we commented about this during the game. When the corner came over and Knight and caught it, yeah. he held on to it for quite a while when it looked like the ball, quick throw to Kakuta was the way to go. Yeah. Obviously it worked out. He got the, the Caps' 100th assist in MLS. And Camilo with the 100th goal. So, I mean, it, it paid dividends and it went in the back of the net. But one of the big problems I've had with Brad Knight is he does not release the ball quickly enough, I feel. Yeah, there, yeah. I thought right away he'd get it to Kakuta, but like we said. But the thing is about... The, the whole thing I was talking about Kakuta being there do you think that had a little bit because they respected his speed a little bit more his pace that instead of Herzog being there that it would have been uh, that's why Camilo got so open on the other side that they had to have people spread probably because a, a player like like Kakuta he's going to be so hard to, to play against it's what we said about Matix in the past he's fast you know exactly what he's going to do but still defending against that and playing against that's a whole different matter. And you saw that with Kakuta's third goal. Yeah. Just the, the, the speed of him and the trickery and the footwork. Yeah. The, the defence was all over the place, and that's what he brings to the team. Would you like to see him get more minutes? I mean, was this the kind of game that he should maybe have had to start over I, Herzog? My personal opinion, and this is just my personal opinion, that the, the, the caps, like I, when I see my team playing and started putting in starting eleven. I would like to see a more attacking starting eleven off the bat, and having the, and going for the goals right off the bat, and having the the guys that can defend on the bench. Like say, for example, and I, I'm not saying he played a bad game, but Davidson, for example, have him coming off the bench, having Herzog coming off the bench where he can provide energy and spark, uh, and the, but having those skilled guys at the start of the game. Um, I don't know if it would have made a difference because, like I said, the whole team was playing a little bit off, uh, but. In, in most cases, I prefer that instead of the, the other way. The advantage, I guess, against when you're playing a team like Chicago, who's travelled in from the east, is they're going to be tired as the game goes on. So, yeah, bringing on, bringing on the speedy guys, it is going to have an impact. Yeah. Now, Kakuta definitely made an impact. And since we're talking about him, Martin Rennie waxed lyrical about him in the, in the post-game press conference. And then Kakuta spoke as well uh, after the game about his goals, his assists and and just waiting for his chance. So let's hear a little bit of audio from Martin Rennie and from Kakuta Mani before we go any further. Here's what they had to say. Yeah, I just think he's a really talented player. You know, he's, there's no question about it. And we just want to keep introducing him into the team little by little. But he's got so much quickness and talent that he'll, he'll you know, certainly be playing more and more minutes for us, I think. You seem to have a very specific plan in terms of the situations you want to use him in. Is that just because he's young and he's so- yeah, I mean, he's still 18 years old, so he is young, and we don't want to overdo it. But I think, uh, you know, we, we want to give him experience, give him minutes, and, and we gave him, I think, about 30 minutes today, so he got a good run at it, and 
he rewarded us all with uh, with his performance. You know, we've got to manage him effectively. It's not unusual that an 18-year-old would get playing time in the way that he's getting it. But um, you know, he'll he'll continue to get more and more, I think. And he's he's always been exciting when he's played, and he's he's helped us out a lot today. So you, when you come on the field, uh, you're playing with a lot of confidence. Every time you got the ball, you were looking to run at the defense. Is that what the coaches ask you to do? Yeah, I mean. Uh... That's, I mean, that's how I play. That's my style of play. I mean, um, that's. I, I feel like that's what they expect from me. Every time, every single time I play, to run up plays and create chances, score goals if I can. So I think that's that's what the message was. Do you have a lot of confidence out there, getting out there and playing? Yeah, I mean, I love I love to play the game. I mean, I mean, I love the game. So I, I always have confidence playing in the game. I mean, it's soccer. We're all chasing for one ball. So. You yeah, have confidence in you whenever you play, so I always have confidence in me. I feel like my teammates helped me with that too. They contributed a lot. So, as Martin said there, the, the plan seems to be to just gently bring Kikuta on. Give him more minutes. He said he, he gave him a good half hour today, so it's like longer than we've, we've seen him giving him before. And apart from when he started in, in the first game. I think that the plan is to bring him on slowly. They don't want to rush him. They don't want to heap too much pressure on him. But from what we saw today, he was outstanding. I think he can handle it. I think he's got the, the different mentality than a typical young player. And like we said, he is listed at, I think he's listed at 18 right now or something like that. We're not sure if he is actually 18. You can never of course, know. Of course he is. Let's uh, not go down no, that no, slippery we, slope. We, we, we don't know, but whatever the case. But he seems to play a lot more mature than he does. He, he, he does certainly does. Yeah. I was very impressed as well that his his touch today, he seems to have really worked on that. Yeah. And there's a couple of times when he was running through and he controlled it really well. And I think he's learning a lot from Kenny Miller. I think I think it's controlling the excitement when you get that first touch and everything yeah. like that. That's the thing, when you get overexcited, you tend to... Like, like well, that goal he got excited. probably calmed him down. And the thing is with Hurtado, which yeah. like we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and he said he needs this goal to calm himself down. Yeah. And he hasn't got that yet. Yeah. And now... We scored in reserve, so that should get him hopefully a little bit going. Ho- hopefully, but so yeah, was it on the bench today? We talked about Kakuto, but let's obviously talk about the hundredth goal scorer, uh, guy who scored the two goal, goal hero, two goal hero for the uh, Whitecaps, Camilo. Um, fantastic performance once again. Two great individual performances. The first one, obviously, he turned uh, that uh, Chicago's newcomer, uh, I think Sean, Sean Francis, Francis Sean, yeah, yeah uh, inside out and over. Uh, basically tough debut for the guy yeah exactly and he fired that one and then the second one was just a lot of hard work he Kakuda with that great pass and then uh, waited perfectly and then Camilo almost got around the keeper the keeper got a hand to the ball but then he kept following up on it and then shot it past two defenders and, and the keeper through to three people and it was a fantastic finish yeah that second goal when you see the replay I was so impressed with that he just timed his run to perfection and he's, he's like waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. And that comes from experience. I know he's still a young guy at 24, but just playing with the confidence. And even after doing that and getting the great through ball, we still had the hard, hard work to do. And we've seen in the past a number of strikers, if the, if the keeper had like palmed it away like Tognagi did. I keep thinking, I want to tell him... No, he almost tipped it away. Almost yeah. Like every time I, I think of Tornagi, I'm thinking of like Tornado, then I'm thinking of Sharknado, and it's, that's just all that's in it's my head. It's getting in your head right yeah. now. you got to clear that out. If anyone saw that movie, I had read all the hype, watched the first 10 minutes on space, and oh, jeez, awful. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so, yeah, the keeper palmed it away, but 
the composure that Camelo kept, he was just so dogged, he was so determined. He wasn't going to let that goal get away from him. And the fact that he fired it through two defenders and the keeper to put it in the net, outstanding. Yeah, He's, he's now leading uh, the MLS with 12 goals, uh, which is awesome. He, a couple of stats as well from him. He's had, in his last nine starts, he has 10 goals and three assists, which is fantastic. Coming into this game of players that were uh, had, you know, I think started double digits or whatever, he was leading in goals per ninety minutes coming into the game. So obviously two goals in these ninety minutes has even increased that lead. So uh, right now he, he he still is the hottest player, even though he had like off game against Seattle, but that could have been a lot of uh, tired legs. Yeah, um, I, I think I think we can allow him one off game. Yeah, sure. That he's been playing, <laughs> but I think I'll he's, give him that. I mean, he still is the hottest player I think in, in MLS. Totally. He ha- he's t- overtaken McGee in, in that kind of stuff. I I have a, a fear that somehow he's going to get called into the All Star team. That, that's just a worry that I've got because the fact that he's he's leading MLS and he's on fire. I just think MLS are going to do something to make sure that he is there. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see him travelling unnecessary to Kansas for a midweek game. It just seems pointless. And I know it's a great reward for the player, and maybe we shouldn't begrudge them being honoured like that. But I don't personally think Camilla would care. Because afterwards, we won't play his post-game audio, but what he was asked afterwards was how important the, the golden boot race was to him. And he said it's not important at all. It's all about the team. It's all about winning. He doesn't care where the goals are coming from as long as they're scoring. And yeah, the team is doing really well right now. Six game on beaten streak, as we talked about. Um, only one loss in their last 10 MLS games. Which is uh, fantastic. And, and that includes that, seven wins, so they're not yeah. even dropping that many points with draws. In, if that include, loss as well could have been a draw, could have been a win. Yeah, and if you include the two, even though I don't personally want to talk about it, the two Voyager Cup games, which is against MLS competition, that's one loss in the last 12 picked up 23 of 30 points and now sit third place in the Western Conference there's, there's been murmurs there's been whispers the supporter shield was in Vancouver today oh I don't want to talk about that you don't you don't want to st- no I don't even want to do the murmurs and the talk of the supporter shield it's way too early in the season let's just let, get in the playoffs first oh you think it's going to jinx us no I, no, I, don't, I just don't want to talk about it because we there's no point of the Whitecaps great they win the supporter shield and they host the MLS Cup and everything like that but I'm it, still it, it, a little it counts for nothing I'm still perturbed a little bit that even if we do win it we're not going to get a, uh, a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League because it's just it's only for American teams yeah even though they have earned it which I don't I don't think, think we're ever going to get into the CONCACAF Champions I don't League I, I, but, that, but it, it upsets me that no yeah. Canadian team can get a, a spot because they win the champion, uh, supporter shield or the MLS Cup so, but then this kind of brings us on nicely to an, another subject. So if we're talking about American bias against the <laughs> White Caps and Canadians, you just had to look at the United States Soccer Development Academy, USSDA. They announced their, their conference teams and their all-star team for the season. Now, Brody Hootema, White Caps under-18 player, led all of the USSDA... 28 goals he has so far between the regular season and the playoffs. Outstanding season. Doesn't even make the conference team. Never mind being named the All-Star Player of the Year. It went to a Seattle Sounders player who scored one goal less than him. And played more games. Played more games and is a year older. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? It's in... 
forget the Western Conference. They've also stacked the deck against them in the finals week. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly come to that in a sec. The, the interesting thing I found about missing out the Whitecaps players, because at first I thought maybe it's a rule that there can't be any Canadians. And then I remembered and I went back and checked last year, Bryce Alderson and Caleb Clark were both named to the Western Conference All-Star team. So unless they've changed the rules now that I, it's only I think Americans. They have. It seems like they have. <laughs> well, I noticed there was no Montreal guys in the East, but then they didn't have a good season. Yeah, they finished the division middle of the in. conference. Uh, yeah. Because Montreal are in the northeast con northeast division of the yeah. Eastern Conference, and the top three teams in that division, New York Red Bulls, Albertson SC, and New England Revolution, they're all in the final eight of the USSDA Academy Playoffs. Yeah. Which starts today. Whitecaps have found themselves in probably one of the, the hardest groups you could ever have picked for them to be in. Well, I, I don't know how it happened. It's essentially a group of death in a two-group tournament, which yep. is, I don't know how they could do that. The Whitecaps overall were ranked the number fifth, fifth team in the country. Of the teams that's left in the final eight, they're playing the top two teams above them. They're the third-ranked team of the eight that's left, and they're playing the number one-ranked New York Red Bulls, and the number two ranked Albertson, who are from Long Island. And then the Whitecaps are third, and then they're playing the fifth team as well, Seattle Sounders, in the game that kicks off on Sunday. So by the time that most of you listen to this, that game will be over. We hope we are going to give you some updates during this podcast, but unfortunately the, the kickoff's been delayed by thunderstorms, so we can't do that quite yet. So it's a really tough group. Going to be really hard to get out of. How do you see the week going, Steve? How, how do you think they're going to get on? I... I, I think there should be no pressure on them because of how you know they have the you know it's stacked up against them. But they're I, definitely not the favorites. No, well, you can kind of say they are the favorites. That's why they have everybody against them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because of the group and everything, they've kind of uh, become almost underdogs, even though they're the third-ranked team in the nation. I, I think the, the the biggest thing is if they do get out of this group, which is uh, the, the tougher group, they should have no problem because I, I think almost every team in the other group is ranked lower than they are yeah and so they get past this group they could get to the other one the only thing is the only worry you have is will they be too tired getting out of this group where they have nothing left for the final once again and then the other danger as well is that they maybe get a little bit complacent which i don't think gordon would let them do no. but i think they have extra motivation because of what's yeah. going on in the last couple of days because while the coaches probably won't tell them i guarantee you there are people around that are telling them that you know how horrible this 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 it, it's hard not to it's so blatantly obvious yeah. how bad this draw was and how they it's clear that the u.s i'm going to say it the white caps nobody in the organization might want to say it but i'm going to say it the u.s sda hated the fact that they were in the finals last year and they do not want them in the finals for two straight years so they, have US soccer. they want to they want to develop u.s yes. soccer and there's a canadian team sitting in yeah. there that's certainly how it appears might not be the case but that's how it's looking to us. So that's our initial thoughts on, on how the group's going to go. Steve caught up with Gordon Forrest just before they headed off to Houston last week. And this is what he thought about the group, how the games were going to go, and just a little bit of talk about finals week. First of all, just general thoughts on the group. I know you just mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great for the players. You know, we've, we want to challenge these players in the, you know, these type of environments against these types of opposition. So, you know, Seattle Sounders, it's the first game, derby game. Uh, they've been in our conference. We both know a little bit about each other. Uh, and it just adds a little bit of spice to, 
to the event and being in the finals playing against them. So yeah, difficult game. New York Red Bulls are, are seeded highly. They've had a great, great season. A very good setup. Lots of good, good players and players that are playing at international level for for the US. You know, big physical, strong team as well. Uh, so another another challenge that the, the boys can't can't wait to play in. And you know, the final game, Albertson are uh, you know a team that have conceded very little goals over the. You know the number of games they've played in their conference and playoffs. So, yeah, again, it's great. You know the boys are looking forward to, it and it's teams that we need to play against to, to you know, to challenge to challenge our players. So it's good. And uh, this uh, Spencer Dubois, he was injured in the, during the playoff. Mm -hmm. How how is he recovering? Is he ready to go? For yeah, Spencer's. Um, you know, it was unfortunate. He, he picked up the. The, the knock just previous to going and it just came around in one of the games so we, we sort of had to take him out of the, the plans of the games going forward but credit to the boys that, you know, that come in they, they do well uh, Spencer's recovered well he's now available for selection for the, the games coming up so uh, it's a good it feels like an addition to the to the squad from the playoffs so it's, it's good to have him back on board yeah. the, the whole training in the tracksuits yeah. you've done uh, is that do you think how much of an effect did that have in Dallas and um, I, I think it's uh, uh, you know, we speak about it all the time about trying to prepare the players with uh, every little bit of detail we can. So the you know the jackets were were one of the ideas to you know when you see them training. I don't know if you've watched any of the sessions, but it, it does affect them mentally a little bit. Yeah. And their, their tiredness, their decision making, their touch, their passing, and, and it's something that you know they have to deal with the conditions in Dallas and especially you know in Houston. So yeah, we've we've done it before Dallas. Who knows if it if it played a, a big part? We've we've done it in little spells again to prepare for Houston, but I think the key thing from it is is just these mental mental challenges to prepare prepare young players the best. And this will help them in the future too, with the Concacaf and everything, yeah. and playing in those kind of tournaments, everything, getting used to the heat. Yeah, it's getting used to the heat. It's getting used to you know how you have to you know prepare before a game, how you have to recover after a game, how you have to potentially change your you know your, your tactical side during the game. You know, to maybe drop off a little bit, or not press as high, or slow the game down a little bit. So you know, all these, all these experiences uh, are going to really help them you know, develop these players. Now I know you say this is a team game, obviously, and everything like that. But were you surprised that there was no individual honors when the awards did come out? Was that a little bit surprising for you? Yeah. Again, I don't know how. If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't know how they, they select the awards and whether it's um, a U.S. Canadian thing or it can only be U.S. players. But uh, you know, from from my point of view, I can only say you know our players have been fantastic uh, throughout the conference, throughout the playoffs. We've we've uh, had some really good team performances. You know, in terms of the style of play and how we, we go about our business, but we've also had some good individual players that have uh, stood out over over the season. So I mean, and it's great that we have the, you know the presentation from the supporters group we pass on the credit as well and I think we've got to just really keep to ourselves focus on ourselves and you know go and do the job but you know if there were the opportunity for these guys to have recognition from the, the USSDA then yeah it'd be good to maybe chuck a few in there. Is, is there any worry that that, that kind of lack of uh, like appreciation from the league and everything and, and feeling that they got um, you know screwed over basically with those individual stuff do, do you, are you worried that they might go about like out of their game and try to prove something or do you try to use it as a motivational yeah, kind of kind of uh, narrow it into the game itself yeah I think I think that's important to us is you know we we create this uh, environment where we, we really try and focus on you know 
know, our, our own goals and our own achievements. Uh, all these things are, are great and they're little extra things, but you know, the guys are, are focused on our game plan, the way that we want to play. Uh, we are we are confident, you know, on our game. The, the players are good enough individually, you know, as a team. Uh, players will pick up on these things, you know, they'll they'll think about it. But you know, I, I've got a you know a real good sense, a real good feeling that you know, the guys are guys are ready to go and if it's something that motivates them you know internally internally then you know it's an extra thing that's adding to our you know our own preparation but uh, yeah we've, we've sort of kept away from that and just really focused on you know what we do good so. okay perfect thanks a lot all right now since gordon's taken over the, the white caps have been fantastic he, he took over after the the loss officially he took over after the loss against seattle at the start of november and they've gone on a great run since then this year I think they're unbeaten in 15 and they've only lost one game in, in all of 2013 so he's been great I, I spoke to Yassine Essa during the week and that interview is going to be up on AFTN.ca next week so check out for that and one of the first things he said was the difference that Gordon made after coming to the club that they, they didn't really have the right focus and the right methods and Gordon's just come and shaking it up and he was like so, so complimentary about what Gordon's done for the team. It, it was lovely to hear. And that was without any prompting. I'd asked him about something else, and that was just the first thing that he actually opened up and said. Maybe he had the accent and he thought we were related or something. I don't know. I think Gordon's made a huge difference. I wouldn't say he's like a, a father figure more. I think he was almost like an older brother figure to a lot of these guys. And it's made a huge difference in their game. It's uh, He's brought a lot of positivity. He will yell at them yeah. when they need to. but he Yeah, he's, also, he's tough, yeah, he's but tough. he does it in a really good way. Yeah, and so that makes a huge difference on, on especially young kids and everything like that. This is the age, obviously, the uh, U18s. U16s are still developing and everything like that. But by the time they get to U18s, they need to... It's more past the development phase, but then gone into the development of winning mentality phase. Uh, I don't know if that's a term or not, but we'll go with that. Um, so I think that's the important thing he's brought to the team, like getting them on the right page, working on the small things, and learning how to win and close out games and score goals and do all that other good stuff. Now, what, what I find really pleasing... Obviously, we've gone on about the residency for ages on the podcast, on AFTN, and it's, they're getting a lot of coverage from, from elsewhere now. Their Whitecaps Daily's had a lot of talk about them, a lot of interviews with them, and if anyone hasn't seen it, Mark Weber wrote a fantastic article on Marcos Bustos and Sam Adekugbe. Uh, just they share a billet family together, and it's just a, a wonderful piece showing how focused and how motivated they are and just how much they want to, to achieve. Now, Marco Bustos is one of the players that's been getting a lot of attention. He had a really good playoff week, had the goals, got the assists, and he, he has a confidence and a swagger, but not in a cocky way. And it comes across really well in Mark's interview. He just seems like a guy that's so focused and he wants that professional career. We spoke to him for, for playoff weeks. So you can read that interview on, on AFTN. Now, the guy that he shares the billet family with, Sam Adekugbe, He's a player which I think we've spoke about him before when we did our special residency week as well. We spoke about him. He's a guy that everyone is expecting to make the leap pretty soon to the MLS squad. Do you think it's going to come this season? I think it's possible. They've, they've loaned out Caleb Clark, so that opens up a couple spots and they released Adam Clement. So it's definitely opened up some spots for them to do some things. I, I, I really am starting to think now we're going to see Sam on the, on the MLS roster 
as soon as the finals week's over, it's all done and dusted. I don't think they want to give him any distraction before that, yeah. and I think we'll see him on the roster. I think he probably knows that too, but I think they, what they're trying to do is they're um, they're trying to keep, like you said, the distraction, but not the distraction he would feel, but the distraction of other people talking about it and asking him. So I think that's probably why. They, I think he would already know if he's going to be there. Now there's always a lot of danger that you're, you're building a young guy up and you're putting added pressure on him, and yeah. We, we are doing that to Sam, but he's a guy that you just have to listen to him and, and hear him talk passionately about the game and how he wants to be a professional footballer. And everything about him and the professionalism that he shows and just everything, he's going to be a great added, a great addition to the, the MLS squad and we hope he makes the jump soon. We actually spoke to Sam during the week just before they headed off to finals week in Houston. Had a really good chat with him about a number of issues, making the MLS squad, the finals week his Canadian passport situation. Here's what he had to say. So we're joined now by Sam Adekugbe, just before he heads down to Houston for finals week with the Whitecaps under-18s. So Sam, pleased to finally have you on the show. We've been wanting to speak to you for a while. You've, you've been having a great season. How would you put your season down, how you've played personally so far? I think it's been a good season with the addition of Gordon coming into the residency program. He's been able to make me a better player. Uh, he's one of the coaches who really comes down to um, the little pieces make, to make your game a better to make your game better. So I think with the addition of the new coaches and working with the staff here, the residency program, they've helped me to become a better player. Now you've had a like the last two years, you've had kind of a, a roller coaster. But it's all on the way up. It's like you've you've done well with the residency. You've been playing in the reserve team, and you've been doing really well. For you personally, how do you think your game's grown? What have you developed in the most in the last couple of years? Um, I think my technical abilities was my physicality. Uh, playing numerous amounts of games between the residency, the PDL, and the reserves. It all differs in how the speed of play is and how strong players are. So being able to play in all these different types of games, it helps me grow as a player because not knowing what to expect in a game is what actually makes you a better player because you're forced to face a challenge. And once you overcome that challenge, then evidently you're making yourself a better player. So I think with the different types of games I've been playing, it can only make me a better player. So it's been going well. Yeah, we've been talking about you for, for so many years now that we kind of forget that you're still just 17. Yeah. Or are you 18 now? Yeah, just turned 18, 18 in January. And it's, you've been around the programme for a while. What, what's your next plan? What's the next steps for you? Are you looking to stay another year with the programme? Or are, have you any interest in going down the college route? Or are you wanting to just look as a professional footballer? I'm looking to become a professional footballer. Hopefully I can work things out with the Whitecaps. They've treated me well. The club has treated me really well. So hopefully if I continue to grow next year within the residency or within the first team where it happens, just hoping to turn to a professional soccer player. Well, we, we definitely, from what we've seen, we definitely know that you, you can play against the, the older guys. You played in the reserve game on Sunday against Seattle, and that was a really strong Seattle team. Number of guys that seen first team minutes, and you didn't look out of place at all, and, and you got a goal, and you got an assist. How did you think that game went for you? I thought it was a very good game by a team, and for myself uh, personally, um the first team coaches, they give you a lot of confidence when stepping into reserve games. They understand that it is a faster pace when jumping from the residency. So being able to come in, calm down, and just able to connect passes and do what I can do with the residency with the reserves ultimately is making me a better player. So the fact that I've been able to play well in a in couple of last reserve games, I just feel like I'm doing really well here at the club. Do, do you ever think that how well you're doing, you're playing against like some guys that's even nearly twice your age. Do you have to raise your game for that? I mean, what's the difference between playing in the, the pace of the reserves and playing in the pace of the, the under-18s? I think it's just coming down to adjusting to the speed of the game. Um, 
evidently as you grow as you grow older and play a lot play more older players uh the technical ability of the players are a lot better and the speed is faster so i think if you're confident in your ability and you're confident and able to adjust to the uh physicality and the speed of the game i think it's not a matter of just being nervous it's about just understanding that you're a good player and that you're here for a reason so the only thing that can stop you from not performing to your ability is just how nervous you are as a player. And that's something I've been able to control with the help of Dr. Cox and the uh, psychology staff that I work with the residency on the first team. So by being able to control my nerves and jumping into the first team and reserve games, I think that I'm able to handle it well, therefore, ultimately, which makes me have a good game. Now, finals week coming up in Houston. The, the team did really well in Dallas, won all three games. You had a big contribution yourself. First thing to, to ask you about that, how, how do you cope with the heat down there? Um, well, as you can see right now, we're all wearing the rain jackets yeah. and the pants, so the medical staff have gotten us to do a lot of work in the hot times. That's what we've been training in sort of the afternoon around 1 o'clock at the hottest time possible. So being able to wear the attire and train in the hot heat, we do understand that it's not it's not going to be exactly the same as Houston, but at least getting our body into a position where we can be able to adjust to the heat will, is really significant. So by the, by wearing that kit and training at these hot times, I guess we're just on the step of just adjusting to the heat in Houston. So by the time we get to Houston, everything will I'll be a not as too significant of a change, but something we'll be able to adjust with the training session. Now, you were there last year. Did you play with the 16s last year? Did you play with the 17s? Well, what happened was I played with the 16s in the USSDA playoffs around the 32. Um, unfortunately, we didn't make it to the goal differential, but after that, then I joined, I joined the U18s in the final eight. So, I mean, obviously, there's a heartbreak losing the championship game last, last year by just the one goal having led and, and just doing so well. What can you draw from that personally to, to spur you on now to, to go that one step further? I think it's just understanding that it is a championship game, but at the end of the day, it's just another game against people your same age. So, I think our team should be able to adjust to playing in such a final or even getting to the final. Uh, in that case, but I think the fact that we're a good team and we do understand that we're a good team, I think going into the final, hopefully if we make the final, that uh, we can just understand that we are good players and we can do anything almost if we just bring our uh, money to the table, right? It's such a, a tough group. I don't really think it could have been a harder group. You're, you're playing two teams that's only lost yeah. one game all season, and but then you've only lost one game all year. Is there a feeling that if you get through this group, then that's going to be the toughest part of finals week? Uh, definitely. I think the New York Rebels won the championship last year for the U16 category, but they also only lost out by one goal in the U18 category, and we do still have a couple of players from that age group. So I think the fact that they faced us with tough opposition, I think they understand that we are a good team, so I think that must have something to do with it. But I think teams are also looking down at us wondering how good we are because we didn't lose in our round of 32 as well. So I think we should be confident in going to playoffs. Yeah, we're really looking forward to watching you and cheering you guys on. Just a last thing to ask you. You're born in England and then you, you moved over here at an early age. What, what's the situation currently with getting Canadian citizenship? Is that something you're looking for? Are you wanting to be involved in the Canadian uh, setup? Uh, the club's working on speeding my Canadian citizenship. My dad came here on the work permit, and so our whole family are trying to become Canadian citizens. Citizen, sorry. So I think the process is gradually speeding up. Uh, the Whitecaps have now taken it over, so hopefully something can come from a part of that. Well, we wish you well with that. We wish you well in finals week. And hopefully we'll see you in the MLS squad pretty soon. And we look forward to cheering you on there. Thanks very much, Sam. Thanks. So Sam, Marco, Ben Fisk, Bryce Alderson, all these guys, the Whitecaps have such a great future ahead of them. The list goes on and on right now based on potential. There's no end right now. And there's lots of rumours just now that the, the Caps are looking at having a USL Pro team for the 2015 season, along with Seattle having one in Tacoma and Portland having one possibly in Eugene. 
Now that's just going to build up even more Cascadian rivalry, but more importantly, it's going to give these young guys somewhere to go and somewhere to develop further once they go Especially from this 18 yeah, to 23 range. 18 to 23 range, that's the big thing. Like there is sometimes, sometimes nowhere for them to go. There's not enough minutes in MLS for them, and you don't want these guys going all the way to Charleston to develop. You keep these guys local, you hire a coach that you like, that can play, that can coach your system. So when these guys are ready to jump up to MLS, that they're you know on the way and going and especially with the reserve a league mls not enough games you can actually have that you know bottom eight to twelve eight you know 22 to 30 um on the roster playing in usl pro and then you bring in some other young guys that in there as well like a yes and essa and everything so you can balance that out and bring in some other people that maybe you want like a samson and or Abdallah, I, I know we don't rate him as my. Yeah, but, not, but, not Abdallah. But, but I'm using that as an example. Yeah. Instead of wasting time playing PDL, where it's a lower level, you bring him up to USL Pro, where you can quickly find out how bad of players they are and then get them out of here yeah. as soon as possible <laughs> instead of signing the MLS contract. A USL Pro team is going to be the perfect link between the residency program and even the PDL program and the, and the first team. Just now, Gordon Forrest is attached to... They've got a program called HPP which is for high-performance players that they think are doing really well in the residency, and Gordon works a little bit extra with them to try and get them ready for the MLS team. So developing that role a bit further, and you're looking at a USL Pro team, it, it could be fantastic. Another advantage to the USL Pro team, we'll make this quick because we're obviously going a little over right now, but uh, the, uh, one big advantage for USL Pro team is that PDL team. You can use that now to bring in your college residency players, get them more minutes instead of just training with the yeah. first team. And not having professionals playing, but yeah. let them do that. And then you get them training with them. You also can bring in other NCAA, fly in other NCAA players to go along with the CIS players you're coming in. And these players can be guys that you're um, interested in, uh, possibly in the draft. And you get a closer look with them up close and everything like that. And you can see if Excellent you want to draft them. You could see if you don't want to draft him and just, you know, then you go. An example is that, that kid from center back from Northland, uh, Thunder Bay, that um, Slamo, that, keeps talking yeah. about, Slamo keeps talking about. That guy could be a guy you could bring in, test him out. If he is Generation Adidas, then you know you can draft him early in that draft. And since we're talking of PDL, I want to say a huge congratulations to the Whitecaps PDL team. Qualified for the, the playoffs today going to be playing Portland in the playoff game which will probably be next weekend we don't have any confirmation on that yet there's still an outside chance they could finish second in in the division and actually host the game it's going to take a little bit of results going their way and some goals going in but it, it's, it's great that they've made it you know, it's a depleted really depleted yeah. just, uh, roster bare, bare just bones bare bones they, they have no obviously residency players playing oh obviously one residency player playing or Marco Coducci who absolutely in the last two or three games has just stolen points from the other he, team. He was outstanding again today. They, they played at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon before the MLS game against Washington Crossfire. 1-1-0. One, one, Marco in the second half. About five or six world-class saves. Not even like using hyperbola there. He was absolutely fantastic. He, he won up the one Defuco played already. He won him that in, in that game itself. And in just the last two games has just been spectacular. Especially the last 10 minutes. Because yeah. the team is has very few subs there. Everybody's like wearing down. And there he's just he's just lit it up and, and stopped and saved the points for sure. So good luck to those guys. 
Now, when we play the Sam interview there, at the end we're talking about his Canadian passport situation, and hopefully we'll see Sam involved in the Canadian setup. Now, another Whitecap player that's recently been linked to the Canadian setup, and it's not Gershon Coffey, although he has as well, is Camillo. There's been an article this week from Martin McMahon, and there's been some more stuff tweeted out today that, yeah, he, he'd be interested in making Canada his home, getting Canadian citizenship and playing for the Canadian national team. What's your thoughts on that? I think, if, especially after the previous performance of the Gold Cup, you definitely need to them goal scoring. It's the one thing that Canada's always lacked, is that goal scoring up front. I personally, My personal feeling is that, I know a lot of people are against it, I think you are too. I am. Um, but you, I'll get to you, you can speak your piece in a moment here. But I think that if a player is, his home country has no absolute need for him, or I have not shown any interest in him, the player should be able, if he puts in the time and the uh, in the country and everything like that, it goes through the proper procedures and not just says buy something, buys like a, a, a citizenship or, or somebody just hands it to him, just like, you know, Japan does for Brazilian players or uh, Middle Eastern teams do. Yeah, the Middle Eastern if, if they go through the proper procedures, they should be able to play for another country, especially if they have no other chance of playing international. Now, the one I think I do have, if Camilo was some a player who the Brazilians were interested in having, which obviously then he would just go to Brazil. It wouldn't even be a contest at that point. But then, there, you know, then you know he should be going to Brazil. I agree with that. But just like the Canadian players who, they when wanting and if they're trained in the system and everything like that, and then they go to another country, that's the upsetting part. I think if a player has said you know has no chance, they can go to another country. They should be able to. The floor is yours, Michael. I completely disagree with that on so many levels. One thing that has annoyed me so much in recent years is all these loopholes that let people buy passports for people. Like we're talking about the Middle Eastern countries and, and Japan and stuff. They, they get all these people passports so they can play for them. The home nations in the UK, they, they use all the grandfather nonsense of, oh, where was your grandfather born? Oh, Andy O'Brien, proud Yorkshireman, Republic of Ireland International. Nonsense. Owen Coyle, one of the broadest Scottish accents you'll ever hear played for the Republic of Ireland. Scotland's bringing in all these English guys just now, and they're not Scottish. Camillo's not Canadian. Gershon Kofi's not Canadian. I don't care how long they're going to live here. They should not be playing for the national team. They are not Canadians. It just annoys me so much that the rules are bent and they're ending up turning international football into a kind of watered-down version of club football where you're kind of cherry-picking these guys and you're bringing I them on and it's nonsense. I see cherry-picking. I see them as people that enjoy the country and decide to play there. It's not like they're just coming for a year and then leaving again. Uh, what, what's your opinion on Sam then? He's do, he's English. He's uh, born in England. He moved over here at a very early age and was educated here. And developed here. And developed here. Well, maybe Anyone that does that, I've no problem maybe with. Maybe Camila wasn't as smart and was educated once he got here to what actually the world Oh, he learned like. English. There you so go. I, I he, guess, yep, he was educated. <laughs> Even Gershon Coffey learned English when he got here, so he <laughs> got educated too. But I, I, it's not right. FIFA should do something about it. It, it just makes a mockery no, of the international. I think if game. people are just coming over, like like the back in the day when uh, I think it was Mark Burcham or something like that. I don't know if you know the story. He he had already played for the national team and never set a foot in, in Canada because he had a grandfather or grandmother that was Canadian. So he hadn't even set a foot in Canada. 
and played for the national team. That I that's yeah, see, kinda, that, that's, that's grey well. area, yeah. but and then you had when, like when Nigel Rio Coker was coming over, there was all the talk of he wanted to come to MLS because he wants to get an American passport and play for the US national team. He's English. He played for the English under twenty one team. Yeah. He was on call for the English World Cup team. He shouldn't be playing no, for that, America. See, that, I, I don't agree with that, but uh, you, but that never happened in the Camilo and Gershon Kofi case. No, they, well, Gersh has been capped at youth level. Yeah, very So they, have young, to, they still have young. to make an exception It was for under him. 17 or something like that. That exception is easily made at that point. But I, I, I but, just... It's a, but it being, on call, being on call for the World Cup team, that's a totally different story than switching over allegiances. So talking about players that might be playing for Canada and moving to players that are playing for Canada... What did you think of the whole Gold Cup performance? Canada crashed out today with a 0-0 draw against Panama. How did you see the campaign going? I think, in a way, we don't... Like, the Martinique game was one of those... Uh, what do you, I don't know what you... Oh, Crap. No. <laughs> the Martinique game was one of those games... Like It was similar to the U-20 playing as Cuba. Uh, they'd never seen these guys play before together. It was very little. And they just got beaten by athleticism and... And, and it was a wonder goal. Let, let's let's call it that. It was basically it was fantastic a fantastic strike. Yeah, yeah, fantastic strike. You don't expect uh, somebody from Martinique scoring at that point, right? So it was one in a million. What shot. are you trying to say? That they're not I'm good saying, enough. I'm saying they're a territory, not a country. Um, so, and these guys have been trained in France oui, oui. too. A lot of these guys have been trained in France as well. So they're not coming from like nowhere, right? Picky on, no yeah, top player. So uh, that that was a one-off, and we and also we know now that Will Johnson, one of their top players, uh, was sick during that game. He was actually down with the flu during that virus that actually ended his World Cup as well and ended Russell Tiber's World Cup. You got Gold sim- Cup. Gold Cup. Sorry, You're th- um, that was very optimistic. I'm thinking. dreaming. I'm dreaming <laughs> right now. Uh, it's that first half. Yeah, I mean okay. Russell probably had the, the oncoming symptoms of it as well. Yeah, and, and but he played really well in that first half. He took that knock and then slowed him down in the second. And then you got other players who they lost, like Simeon Jackson. One of the players that definitely would have contributed was Andre Hainau. And we know the, how badly the centre-backs did not have a good game. And Andre Hainau would have made a big difference. He signed. He was unattached at the beginning and then signed with a uh, German uh, two Bundesliga team, I think, right? So I think it's I personally not bothered by it as much as some other people. Um, I know they didn't play as bad, uh, as good as they should have, but I think it's a learning stage. A lot of their young players got into the into the thing more experienced. It's a thing where you're gonna maybe have to tear down the the team before you can build it back up, and that's where the new coach uh, Benito Floro uh, can do that and, and build these guys back up from uh, like. You know, you tear down. You, you when you do renovations, uh, you tear down and got got a washroom or got a kitchen, and then you build it up, and maybe it looks better. Yeah, like maybe uh, go to King of Floors and get your flooring. Exactly. <laughs> and then, but the thing is, is is I don't even put any expectations for them. A lot of people are saying 2018. I have no. I, I if they get to the hex, that's good enough for me. I'm looking more down the road in 2022. Um, oh, and, Qatar. Yeah, and and the, some of these guys that are going to the United Arab Emirates for the World's Under-17 World Cup, they're going to be in that prime age at that time. So I think that's what you got to look for in 2022 at this point. I, I think I can class myself as a neutral or as neutral as I possibly can be since I, I'm cheering on Canada. But I, as someone who isn't Canadian, I've been really frustrated by the media reaction. This, from, from when the squad was announced, it was clear that this was development. It was all about development. 
the results maybe didn't matter. The, this whole Gold Cup's been nonsense. None of the teams seem to be taking it seriously. MLS can't even suspend some games for it. I want to go off on a big rant about how MLS should call off a game if you've got three players away on international duty, which is standard place in the UK. Even his Fife had a game called off for three players being away on international duty. MLS don't. That's something for another day, so don't. I won't go down that road. But this Gold Cup has not been taken seriously because it, it means nothing, really. It's just like bragging rights. It's all been about development, and I, I think... They've done well. They they have grown with each game. Yes, they haven't got a goal scorer. That is a big, big problem. One goal they've scored in, I think, eight games now in 2013. Yeah, it's not been good. And no goals in this Gold Cup. No goals from outfield play in the last two Gold Cups because it was penalties that, that they had before. And they, they need to learn. And the only way to learn is to play these young guys in international games and they're going to learn to deal with hostile crowds, they're going to learn to deal with travel, they're going to deal with group games in a short period of time. And it's a really young squad that was brought in. And it, actually, after the game, I spoke with Colin Miller, and one of the things I asked him was, you've brought a lot of young guys in, there's a big gap between playing in MLS or MLS reserves or the other leagues that they're playing elsewhere in Europe. How are the media here not understanding that that is a big gap and they're not giving patience and they're, they're not giving these players time to develop? So let's listen to what he said to that and then, then we'll get back to, to our thoughts on the national team. There was a lot of criticism on Sunday after the Martinique result. What would you say to, to those that are critical as a former player yourself that went on to play internationally? How big a, a gap, how big a leap is it for these guys to go from playing MLS playing MLS reserves to playing at international level. Yeah, and even the MLS reserves is not a consistent weekly basis game. The one that, that uh, it, it's an enormous jump and, and the guys that are in Europe, I mean I played in Scotland for over fifteen years and I know that this time of the year uh, where the Gold Cup comes in is a nightmare time for our for the majority of our squad because our fitness levels are not what they would be in a month's time even as an example. So um, I think the people that were critical of the team on Sunday, um, you know, I didn't see too many reporters other than these two gentlemen here that were down and saw that it was 94 degrees and uh, we played against a team that just run uh, Panama uh, very, very closely with 10 minutes, it has to be said, for about the last 15-20 minutes. People for some reason thought that Canada just had to turn up to win on Sunday. And that is not the case. We're, we're in a massive rebuilding phase. And anyone who underestimated Martinique, I said already, would be very foolish. And uh, it's just devastating that the timing of the goal uh, was the time that it was, because it was the last bit of, bit of the last play of the game uh, before the kickoff again. So, but as I said, sorry to repeat myself, but I'm very proud of that response after having been kicked in the teeth the way we were on Sunday. Uh, to get this sort of response tonight, hopefully the people that write all these wonderful blogs will now actually sit up, sit back and maybe give these players a little bit of credit. Colin Miller was in a, a pretty tough situation really for this Gold Cup in that they've announced the new manager while he's still in place and he's, he's brought a squad with him of young players that he picked and you don't even know if the if the new manager is even going to want these guys in the future. But that's a good thing because it, it does show Floral uh, what he has to work with. And if he doesn't want these guys, he can easily 
it, it basically it's, it was almost like a training session for for him to watch what these guys are capable of and what he has to work with. Uh, one thing is is a lot uh, about a lot of people complaining about who was in the squad. I'm actually kind of glad that he went with a younger squad because the eight one loss to Honduras. I thought a lot of those players shouldn't be with this squad and they should be like excluded. Like, yeah. Uh, because that was that was more, I think I personally still think that was more embarrassing. That eight one loss was something on the line than this gold cup, which really had totally. nothing to do on the line. So, totally. So uh, they, they had their no chance problem. to prove themselves yeah. and they failed. Yes. So you give it to the next generation. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, it's going to be a long haul. It's going to be a tough one. Scotland's kind of going through the same thing just now. I've got two two international mm-hmm. countries now that I'm cheering on, that are going through a lot of transition and a lot of development. Scotland's starting to show some signs of coming out of it. Hopefully, with the the guys that we've seen at under 23, under 20, under 17 level, I think Canada has a really bright future. They just need to get these guys playing regularly and playing at as high a level as they possibly can. If that USL Pro team comes into effect, that would be a huge thing. And they all see, obviously all these new NSL teams too that are coming and popping up and everything. Yeah. And possibly Calgary, Ottawa, um, maybe Hamilton, I'm not sure. But uh, if those teams do come into play, I think it would be a huge thing for them. One one of the things, just before we wrap the show up, that I've been thinking a lot about recently is if MLS are going to continue to not call games off and to to have the regular season going when these tournaments are on or to clashing with international dates, as we've seen this year, is it in the Whitecaps' interest to actually sign international players? If we develop all this young Canadian talent and we get them playing regularly for the first team and then something like this happens again and they all go, like, Toronto lost, what, five, six players? If that happened to us, if we bring through like Sam and Marco and Ben and Caleb and they're all in our first team and then they have to just all leave, is it worth it? I think it is worth it. I still, I think the, I think maybe in the future they do decide to cut down on the players uh, that, you know, do go to, and maybe they cut down on the season and everything like that and we have that break for the Gold Cup, but... Uh, first of all, I don't see where TFC is even complaining that much because the players that were gone weren't getting first-time minutes anyways. The only one was Osorio that was getting regular minutes. Becker was kind of in and out, but but he wasn't getting regular minutes either, so I don't see where they were going with this anyways. Their season's over anyway. They've had their end-of-season party already. Yeah, it looks like it. So we'll we'll see what happens with Canada. We'll see what happens with the Whitecaps. Under-18 level, PDL level, MLS level. It's a great time to be a Whitecaps fan at the moment. So it makes these podcasts a lot more upbeat. So thanks for listening to us. We'll be back again soon. Thanks to the O'Wells for doing our theme song, which you heard at the start. I've been your host, Michael McCall. My co-host, Steve Pander. Tell us where we can find you online, Steve. Um, You can find me at uh, Canadian Soccer News with AFTN, Prost America, and on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And you can find me on Twitter at AFTNCanada. If you want to send us an email about anything, get in touch at aftncanada at hotmail.com. Our podcast is also now on Stitcher Radio as well as iTunes, so you can download the app for your iPhone, Android device. It's also available in over 4 million cars. So download that app, listen to us while you're driving along, go to iTunes, listen to the podcast there. So as we said, thanks for listening. LA is next up for the Whitecaps. We're now third in the West. Fourth in the Supporter Shield race, things are just getting better all the time. Good night, everyone.